Well, there's certainly no shortage of the pheasant back mushrooms out here. You can see here's one, and then one over here. They look really nice. And then um, just looking around here in the distance, factory has a bunch, and then this log over here has a bunch. Take a walk over there. These look pretty big. Yeah, this, look how big that one is down there. It's gotta be about 12 inches across. And this one looks like it has a bite out of it. <laughs> and this one, and uh, there's one over here. Looks like it's holding some water. I think it's time to go. along the line said that the universe is not only stranger than you think, it's stranger than you can think. <laughs> There's a statement I use, if you're green you grow, if you're ripe you rot, so I like to stay green until I'm <laughs> not here anymore. Just keep learning, because that's what it's all about. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to Bigfoot in the Citizen Scientist podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I want to thank you for being here. If you have an encounter or story you would like to share with me, Shoot me an email. My email address is sciencemeetsbigfoot at gmail.com. Or you can contact me on the message button on anchor.fm on all the BATSCP social media pages or give the podcast voicemail line a ring at 641-715-3900 extension 448-449. Be sure to leave your contact information so I know who to contact back. Today we welcome Casey on the show. He has had a couple encounters, including one harrowing close-up encounter. So buckle up and hold on tight as we get into Casey's experiences. like to start out by saying that i wish to be anonymous with that being said here is my encounter my story i'm not much for emails i'm not internet savvy and i'm far from being a great typer so i'll make this as easy to understand as possible my encounter happened with my brother in a place we call the back nine and i don't mean a golf course i'll explain this the best way i know how 
My mother had passed when I was 16 and my brother was 18. My father was in the military and we lived on 226 acres, most of which was forested. Directly behind our house was an open nine acre field. There was woods on both sides and there was a fence line at the back of the field that was mostly pin oak. Now visualize that we crossed that first field and we're standing on the fence line. On the other side of the fence line, there was a 60 acre long field. It was only 12 acres across. And on the other side of that 12 acres was the back nine. The back nine was a nine acre patch of woods that belonged to us as well. To the left of the back nine was one other field. Separating our field from that was a fence line. That field belonged to the farmer who we'll call Edgar. Now the back side and the right corner of the woods was not far from the Appalachian Trail and was connected to other forested areas. We were not supposed to go back there because in the mid-90s there was two teenage bodies found in Edgar's cornfield and those murders were never solved. My father did not want us to go back there alone. This was just one of a few reasons why he didn't want us to go back there. Another one was there was a ravine that ran halfway through. It was 55 feet deep, but it was only 25 yards across. So it made it dangerous, especially when raccoon hunting at night. Edgar and my father were pretty close friends. They'd often have coffee just about every morning. And often they'd talk about the property in the back nine. Edgar lived here for 64 years, and his father before him, the same as my father. They would often sit and talk about the screams and howls that would come from the back nine in the back of Edgar's property. My father would say, it ain't no yodel dog, and it sure as hell ain't no bobcat. There was also weird things like trees bent over in odd manners. Edgar and my father called them seasonal sasquatch, meaning that they were only there a certain time of year. They would hear the knocks and howls from mid-November to early spring and wouldn't hear it for the rest of the year. There was also sounds of an axe man in the woods. They would hear what sounded like chopping or knocking sounds. This would also occur at the same time of the year. To be honest, I never really bought into the whole Bigfoot thing because I'd never seen one, and I'd never really noticed the sounds, of course I wasn't really paying attention. Now let's get to the story. My brother and I were avid coon hunters. We had two walker treeing hounds. The male was named Colt, he was five years old and he was a two-time champion. Then we had Skye. She was a year and a half years old. She was young. She was not particularly good at treeing yet, but she did have one heck of a nose. Now this evening, we had started hunting at the front of Edgar's property, and we started hunting at 11.30 p.m. We hunted all the way up until 4.30 a.m. Of course, we stopped to eat. We had only got two coons and one possum that we treed, and we left it alone. My brother wasn't done yet, so after covering Edgar's property, we decided to hit our own. We released the dogs out back at around 4.35 a.m., and they cruised straight through the first backfield to the fence line. While we were waiting on our dogs to catch a trail, my brother and I were sitting there discussing what it would be like when he goes away to college girls etc stuff like that you know how it goes when they're young 15 to 20 minutes later they treed we could hear the dogs we looked at each other and we knew instantly that they were at the back nine we didn't dare wake our father up at 4 30 in the morning let alone we weren't really scared because we weren't really caught up on the whole bigfoot thing it was going to be an easy walk to the back nine as those two fields were primarily flat, which was pretty nice being in East Tennessee, especially in mountainous area and hilly terrain. Now, 
It being almost a full moon, our eyes had adjusted. We did have a lantern and we had two headlamps. The headlamps were not on and we were carrying a backpack and our Ruger 1022. We approached the back nine and we instantly noticed as we entered the woods that our dog retreated up on a den tree or a beech tree. So the raccoon actually wasn't up in the tree. He was inside denned up. Now we approached the dogs, which were actually only about 10 yards off of the ravine itself, which is pretty dangerous. We were worried and we wanted to get the dogs backed off the ravine. We weren't going to get the raccoon anyway. We were fumbling around to get the dogs. We could not see the coon as he was inside the tree and we knew it was a lost cause. Here's where it gets a little bit crazy. My brother had set the lantern down so that we could retrieve the dogs. I noticed something across the ravine. What caught my attention, and I noticed it caught my brother's attention as well, was it looked like someone breathing cold air. We both peered up and turned on our headlamps. And not more than 45 yards away was this massive, gigantic hominoid or beast when i tell you that i've never been more terrified in my life i i can't even describe to you the feeling that i felt what was only seconds felt like a lifetime standing in front of us was a massive bigfoot now with the lights on him i never saw glowing eyes they weren't red or amber his eyes seemed to be almost closed as they were sunken in his head his eyes could have been glowing, but his breath was masking most of his face. The main thing that I noticed was he's completely covered in hair, dark black or brown, and he had a ton of twigs and leaves caught up in his hair. People often ask me if I could smell him. I didn't smell anything. I was truly terrified, but no, I did not smell an odor. And our dogs didn't even acknowledge the Bigfoot. They were so caught up on a tree they didn't even move. They kept barking and clawing away at the opening in the den tree. The Bigfoot turned to his side and at that point my brother and I left the lanterns and the dog and took off running towards the field. Yes, we left the dogs. From the tree to the field, I don't remember where my brother was. I was so terrified I was just running. We met up with each other and continued to run once we had broken the wood line and a rock was hurled to the trees we didn't look back not one time we ran straight to the back door the dogs remained barking the entire time they were still treed us entering the back door woke my father up as we frantically told him what happened and my father wouldn't even go back there. He said, it's only an hour till daylight. We will go get the dogs as soon as the sun comes up. As we did. The dogs were never bothered. They never got off the tree. They never chased the Bigfoot. They never left the tree. We went back, retrieved the dogs. Now pretty close to where we had entered the woods, there was a large sapling that was bent over. Too large for a human to bend in my personal opinion and at that point I believed I was a knower and not only that the tree bending made sense they were marking their territory my father said that they were only seen because they wanted us to be seen my father actually saw one two days later in the morning time back by the pin oak fence line after that we never saw one again the following fall, my brother went off to college, and I never went coon hunting again. I actually gave the coon hounds to my nephew, and then I joined the military when I turned 18. As my father said, you're not going to see one unless they want you to see them. And as primitive as they are, I truly think there's way more to them than we can ever begin to understand.
everybody. Welcome to Bigfoot in the Citizen Scientist Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in today. Today we have Casey on the line, and he's going to tell us about some of his experiences. So say hello, Casey. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. So uh, let's let's get into it. Uh, uh, from what I understand, you've had some pretty crazy experiences. So uh, 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 actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Before that, let's uh, what, what kind of got you into this subject? Uh, how long have you been interested in it? Uh, probably once I got, uh, after that very first experience, which I'm about to share with you guys, kind of put me in a good headspace for it and just kind of being open for being out in the woods and, uh, just kind of been hooked there and wanted to see something again to know that like, Hey, I saw that cool, you know, and just kind of been on it since. Okay. Uh, did you have any, uh, like interest growing up or, uh, any knowledge of Sasquatch or anything uh, similar? No, not really. Uh, not even at the time of the incident. Uh, it wasn't until a year. I mean, hearing the adults say that it was a Bigfoot, but apart from that, not really, didn't even really see the PG film. But, uh, you know, I grew up in the South, so there's a lot of running around in the woods and that kind of stuff. So being in nature is always very natural and, you know, just very, you know, something I very seek out a lot. So okay okay well uh why don't you go ahead and get into it for us so uh uh, tell us about the first experience you want to explain yeah so uh this is kind of crazy because it uh happened time frame i was like a little kid so it's somewhere between like 90 and 92 i believe Uh, and this happened in southern middle tennessee that's all i really want to say in case it's still stomping grounds um so yeah um family went out one night to a known spot it was uh four adults my dad stepmom my uncle my aunt and uh, my sister myself and my uh, uh who was it three man it was two cousins five cousins so yes uh five cousins because we were all in the back in the back of this truck bed so the intent was to go out to the spot hang out uh just roast weenies it was a nice you know summer fall day so we were just kind of going out to go chill um and throughout the whole night since we got there we got there about dusk um had enough time to build a good fire and get it going doing the whole roasting hot dogs and stuff and uh the whole i mean as soon as the sun went down it was just like the smell would just get so unbelievably strong and then waft away uh the smell it was kind of similar to a skunk but the full description is it was like a skunk a wet dog and like something dying or like a rotting corpse or something you know it was just very very funky and noticeable but uh you know we just kind of thought it was a skunk and you know let it be whatever but it just kept coming back and um throughout the whole night um just a few minutes it would come back leave come back and um this one particular time it got just like eye watering strong where it was like all right something is here like this is weird um and then my dad said he saw something across the road or he said he just saw something out of the corner of his eye which prompted him to get the shotgun out of the truck it's the south <laughs> it's everyone's got a shotgun in the truck um but just in case someone was messing with us or, you know, what have you, you, you know, someone, we were on someone's property or whatever. It was just, it, it alerted him and he, you know, to get that. And um, so we were just kind of putting on edge. Um, so my, this is some new information I got from my sister. Um, she says in between that time and from what I'm about to get into is, uh, she says, so after my dad saw that, my two cousins claimed to have seen something in the shadows and started throwing rocks at it. I kind of don't, I kind of remember that, but also thought they were just, you know, full of crap, think trying to be like, oh, we took care of that, you know. So I didn't pay them much mind. Uh, no rocks ever got thrown back, but they were like, yeah, we hit something and, you know, went about. It's like, okay, guys, whatever. Um, and a few minutes later, my sister, who was probably like eight or nine, uh, wanted to sit beside my dad. And we had the old school gas lanterns, um, which get hot as hell on top because, you know, you're actually burning stuff in an old lantern like that. <clears throat> and I remember my sister saying, I'm going to sit right here. 
and she put her hand right on top of that hand uh, the lantern and burnt the crap out of it uh at that time she like right when she did it she let out the loudest blood curdling scream that you know anybody getting burned for one but she was also kind of known for you know being you know getting in trouble you could hear her, you know that sort of thing so she had a very very loud scream that kind of you know killed the tension put everyone focused on hey let's take care of her and you know get her situated um so we were doing that you know taking care of her everything was settling down and uh, then that smell came on just this was like the strongest it had been the whole time we were there i mean this was like again we were like something is here this is weird like it was just so strong and foul and then we hear this sound that came just outside of the tree line where we, where we had pulled in and the uh the firelight had had you know kind of dimmed out towards it but this was like right on us uh, I don't want to mem- do the sound because it's kind of weird, <laughs> but um, yeah, just and we all just hightailed it out of there because it was like something's on us. It made that sound. We don't know what the hell, you know. We all jumped in the truck. Uh, also, and then we were just like, well, we can't just drive off and leave this fire going. So you know, still having the mindset to like not leave it open fire in the woods. Uh, so you know, we all kind of get you know. D- join forces snuff it as much as we can because you know we're like don't know if something's here or what it is but it's here uh so we all jump in the truck and take off and this is like barely a one lane road it's uh kind of gravel and kind of overgrown it's like you if a car another car is coming you're gonna really you know you're gonna be real close to them to share the road to get through um so we're driving off and it's pitch black like so so dark and me being a little kid facing the back i'm just kind of you know it's all of us kids are in the back it's uh six of us kids there my my, myself my sister and my cousins and uh, we're all in the back and they you know just kind of chilling out like okay we're getting away no big deal uh and i'm just clicking my flashlight on and off and all of a sudden and suddenly my uh, my dad just punched it just punched the the truck like hit the gas and was getting out of there and that was the same moment that i happened to click on my flashlight and i hit it dude it was like illuminated this giant being thing animal that i have ever seen um we we all saw it take a full step there is 100 percent no doubt that it was bipedal we saw arms swinging it was a perfect side view of someone taking a step across the road and it was once it was a one lane road and one step it was like on the side of the road um the first step was in the middle of the road its other step was on the other side of the road like in one step it just took the whole road and was um yeah it was moving fast and slow at the same time it was weird covering a lot of ground but not looking like it's moving very fast if that makes any sense um the super crazy part about it was it was all white we say it's all white but it could be grayish you know or or some kind of color like that but uh i say we all say white because when the light hit it in that dark it just it just popped it just made it pop you know like you could that there was absolutely no doubt what we were seeing and um i remember its hip pelvis area was even with the truck with the tailgate i remember that because i was sitting down looking and i could see it's like waist area right above the tailgate as it took the step and this all happened so so quick you know because there's like a slight bend in the road so as my dad was taking the turn, that's when he hit the gas and we kind of spun out and I hit the lights and was like, oh, man, all of us kids got quiet. We just got quiet. Like we all knew what we saw, but like, what was that? And, you know, just basically what was that? And um, I remember um, when we got up to because it's kind of a back road. So when you come off of that road, you're right next to a huge cattle ranch. 
uh, where they do a lot of beef cattle and there's a lake nearby. So there's really not a lot out there, but these roads kind of intersect in a way where you can kind of take it way back and get back, you know, get back a good ways. So we came up to a good spot where we could stop and, uh, and my dad and all the, you know, my dad and my uncle come out, they check on us kids. And, uh, I kind of remember, I think, um, it might have really messed with my dad. I think it did because to this day he shut down and will not say anything about it apart from him. Think He says the reason he punched it was because he saw two of them. He saw the big white one and he saw another one up in the tree or on the side of the road uh, where and he thought it was going to jump down in the back of the truck and get us. It's what he says. And that's why he punched it to get us out of there. Um, and when they came around that curve, man, they had to have had the, I mean, it was so close. It was so close to the truck and the side of the road and there's nowhere for it to go. So I know that like he had to, everyone in the front of the truck had to have seen the most perfect view of a Sasquatch and even his face. Like it had to have been like so close, undeniable. But I think that really messed with my dad because, uh, um, yeah, right when we got stopped, I remember him and my uncle being at the front of the truck talking. I couldn't hear him. He was kind of on his knees, just kind of like a moment because it was, you know, like, whoa, not only did you just see something crazy, but you thought it was going to come get us kids and, you know, like that whole thing. And, uh, and um, yeah, and I've talked to my sister uh, since then. A lot of the family members who was there that night just refused. They won't talk about it. They just hit it with the classic. I don't know what we saw. Um, my sister and my cousin and my one uncle are the only ones that really talk about it. Uh, so whenever I go back to Tennessee, I make it a point to ask them, you know, what they saw and descriptions. Uh, I've got my little nephew asking my dad as well. And uh, he actually came up with some good info that was new. And as did my sister, um, This I went to I get my new dog in Tennessee last summer. So I went, revisited a bunch of the, the spot and uh, revisited everyone and was talking to them about what had happened. And um, my sister said was the one that told me about the rock throwing that, that, you know, my cousins had thrown the rocks at something that they thought was over there. Um, also, that was what was really crazy is in this pull-off spot, they had um, three huge, like, six or eight-foot ditches dug out to keep people from going further back onto that property. Uh, the next day, we had gone out. You know, we just went right back. It's in our backyard. We were like, let's go see what was up, you know? So we all went back out there. My dad and my uncle say, um, my sister said they saw footprints, Again, I was like 10 years old, so I wasn't down there running around with them, you know, and I really wished I had been, <laughs> honestly. But uh, my dad said, you know, yeah, someone was down there in the river walking around, you know, and I remember that. And I remember in one of those ditches, because there was a set of three of them, and they had piled the dirt on top, so it kind of made it like a huge berm in, into these ditches. And we had to cross those three ditches to get back on the trail to walk further back. So we were just going to walk that creek all the way back. And uh, in one of those ditches was a deer with its, and I remember its head was twisted back, just fully twisted back. And uh, my, my mind wasn't open back then. So in my brain, I was like, oh, this deer totally ate it. You know, he missed that jump. He must have not known that this ditch was in here and just just spiked himself you know and then as an adult i'm thinking of that i'm like well even if a deer would biff it it wouldn't have just you know gone head first straight in and spiked itself um my sister said that it looked like it had chew marks or it had definitely been eaten on uh towards its stomach and hindquarters that it definitely had uh, like a hole in it or had been chewed on um so my theory is um, it had a deer stashed there. And when us being so close to it, it was trying to scare us off or trying to see what we were doing because we were just chilling and had fire. Um, and knowing, associating what I know now with the screams, 
I feel like my sister putting her hand and screaming kind of maybe threw it off a little bit and was just like, oh, wait a minute. Like, what, you know, okay, whoa, these aren't like, you know, maybe it kind of made it think a little bit and was like, oh, wait a minute. Um, Cause getting back to that sound it made. Uh, so it kind of made like, I don't know, I'll just do it. It was kind of like a yeah, kind of. So um, we had no idea. We just kind of scared the hell out of all of us, you know, we bounced. Years later, uh, when I was about 30, so about 10 or 11 years ago, my cousin who was there that night just randomly sends me a message on Facebook, says, hey, what's this sound like to you? And it's a YouTube clip, so I click on it. It's a trail cam of um, wildcat or um, mountain lion. It's a mountain lion mating call or, you know, but it sounds really crazy. You know how cats do, but amplified much larger. Uh, we have kind of, they're not as common, but they are there. Uh, mountain lion, um, bear, uh, what else? Oh, we have bobcats. We call them wildcats, but they're like bobcats uh, and wildcats there. And so I think it kind of was confused. So instead of straight up growling or doing a normal thing, it made this sound to make us think that a mountain lion, hey, a mountain lion's over here. You know, and we just bounced. Um, but yeah, that was that was just so trippy. Apart from actually seeing it, was when just my cut that message. What does this sound like to you? <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, that's what all these years, and that's what it was. So um, yeah, that that's that story, man. That's the Tennessee story, and I, that was probably I was like ten or eleven, I, I believe, around that time just okay. so wild and i just you know didn't know or didn't know anything then and i just remember the adults saying oh yeah we saw a bigfoot that was it mm -hmm. and you know mm -hmm. oh okay cool it was just like all right well they exist <laughs> it's there cool uh no no aggressive nothing i and you know i listen to some stories i'm kind of actually thankful of that because who knows yeah you know Wild animals are very unpredictable, so I was kind of thankful that it was just like kind of chill and was like, "Hey, just get away from my food, guys." <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, so going to the uh, <clears throat> so uh, your dad and uncle and all the kids are you guys are in the truck, you're mm -hmm. you're taking off, and uh, all of a sudden your 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 dad punches the gas, yeah, and you you flash a flashlight out the window and you see this white Sasquatch. And it's like yeah. a big blur, right? It's one big blur. Oh, it's, no. it's it's crazier than that. Uh, it wasn't even out the window. We were all sitting in the back of the truck bed, facing out. Oh, uh, scarier. Uncovered. Yeah, uncovered. And I was sitting in the um, the furthest spot back, uh, and to the left of the truck bed. So on the passenger side, far back side. And if I'd have just would have, and if I'd have just looked to my left or looked to my side, I probably would have gotten a face full of fur. That's how close it was. Whoa. I mean, it, it was like instantly, as soon as the trail, the the tail bed, like crossed it, it was in the road. It was so fast, like it was just there. And that's why I think my dad and and everyone saw it so clearly because it was yeah. like right there it wasn't like it was coming out of the bushes it was there <laughs> you know wow i think they lit it up with the headlights and got the fullest clearest view um oh i'll, I'll throw this in because i just remembered my nephew did say that my dad told him that its face was had fur all over it that it had hair all over it mm -hmm. so that tells me he saw the face and i kind of want to get a better description to see like yeah hey you know, because there's a lot of 
speculation as to you know some you get the native american looking one or, or like the more um ape or primate ones or yeah. what have you so i just want to be like hey no judgment just what did you see you yes know? yes yes absolutely um do you what what do you have a theory about the the color of of the uh sasquatch you saw do you think it's just uh i, I know i know there's a, a big theory out there that it's it's their age like uh, all the older sasquatch is uh, is usually going to be the gray or the white colored ones yeah. and i but i've also heard in another in the same breath i've also heard people say it's regional so uh, what, yeah. what's your what's your theory on that i i kind of feel like it was an old one i feel like it was um you know dogs do it you know do- dogs get the gray in their face uh Tons and tons of animals, uh, maybe not go gray, but will have a different coloring uh, from maybe what they had earlier on. Yeah, I think it was just an old one because it it wasn't white enough. I don't feel like to be an albino or anything. I don't I don't think. I mean, I'm no scientist, okay. but I just don't feel like. And like I said, I, we say it was white, but only because it was so dark that it like lit up. Gotcha. You know, it kind of was like, whoa, there it was. I see it. And yeah, it was as clear as, you know, a, a basketball player walking in front of, you know, like yeah. out of blur. It was like, man, like very, like saw full mechanics of everything moving. It was like, holy cow. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so in this podcast, I, I, I usually try to get like a painted picture for the, for the uh, listener to get in their mind. So that's why I'm asking so many questions. Oh, it's all good. I don't mind, man. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of, um, do you remember by chance like the time of year or any other details like the moon phase or the temperature outside or anything like that? It was dark, so I, I think we were probably in between moons, um, okay. or somewhere where it wasn't shining as much. Yeah. Uh, the full moons there will pop, and you can see quite a bit in the dark. So I don't. I don't think it was uh, just during any of those times. And I'm hazy on the time of year only because I was like such a young kid. But I, yeah. but we were out, you know, and that was a common summertime slash fall thing to do is go have a fireside, you know, a lakeside fire or go out in the woods and just kind of chill. So I think it was like kind of mid or late summer is what, I, is what I'm thinking. Because okay. we were wearing jackets. It wasn't particularly cold. But, yeah, we just had the fire just to make some food and chill. Okay. Um, uh, when you were sitting around camp, do you remember? Was there? Uh, I know. I know you guys heard the sound, the crazy sound, um, and the smells and stuff. But was there anything that else you remember, like uh, lack of bug sound, or uh, the, like even the like the type of substrate you guys were sitting on, or the tree and foliage presence? Like, what, like what did it all look like? Feel like? So this uh, this was like a little creek that was right off the side of the road. It's kind of like the only little small bridge uh, on that road. Um, at that time, there was hardly any ground cover. So there was like lots, it was like riverside stuff, dirt, big flat rocks, that kind of stuff, but was in the woods. Like you had lots of tree cover. Um, yeah, and it was just kind of that terrain. And okay. um, we followed that river out <clears throat> which was still kind of wooded, nice wooded area, and it ran into the one of the main lakes in the area, which I won't say the name of just again in case no. it's a, and just in case it's a stomping ground for them. You know, I don't want to yep. expose them like that, or if it's a, I, and that's the other thing. I don't know if that if they're actually in the area or if it's something where we got lucky because it was passing through, being so close yeah. to the Appalachian area. You know, we were like right there in the foothills, so I don't now, know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, 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 uh, I am in the opinion that each person should go and do their own research, and so I'm, I, for my podcast, uh, podcasts don't really ever tell names or locations or anything because oh, yeah. <laughs> if people are interested, they'll find ways of finding their own hot spots and they yeah. can have their own little sanctuaries. So. Yeah, totally. And I feel the same way about that and every mushroom foraging, everything, dude, where yeah. I'm like, 
I had to put in the time. You put in the time. That's exact. That's that's exactly it. It's uh, giving away locations. I believe uh, curates lazy researchers. So absolutely. Um, I did recently just because I'm so close to the uh, Bigfoot Museum. Uh, I'm in Portland area now, <clears throat> and we're so close to the boring with uh, mm-hmm. with Cliff's museum, Cliff Barrickman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did tell him and and his his people the exact spot just just because you know i'm like cool he's a person i feel like i can trust and yeah you know he's a solid researcher really nice guy by the way plugging the uh, museum in boring oregon definitely definitely check that out it's yeah. really really cool lots of evidence lots of lots of cool stuff there just off Highway 26, in Boring on the way to Mount Hood. We are here, we are open from now on. My job is to put eyeballs on the evidence and let the people decide for themselves. Yes. So uh, what else, uh, from what I understand, you have some other uh, experiences, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, one, so that all happened in Tennessee where I grew up. Um, I've since moved to the Pacific Northwest, spent pretty much about 20 years in Seattle area jumping up and down the west coast here and there you know but uh basically seattle was home for that time um now i've been in portland for the last few years with my best friend and we all and his wife heidi who uh put me in contact with you mm-hmm. and um we we forage a lot we do a lot of mushroom foraging and hiking and stuff like that and <clears throat> this past uh, it was like june i believe we were up in mount hood area and one of our secret morale spots <laughs> and uh we were um just kind of foraging having a good day actually had a really good day we had we we're actually finding quite a bit and um you know we kind of have a plan for how we forage for us three and we rotate you know they brought their dogs um i didn't have a dog at that time so we just kind of rotate their dogs and you know everyone we just kind of go for it together you know we're all good friends and um so with that being the case we spread out cover a lot of area and get and kind of if we find a good spot you know we'll kind of let out a little sound that we all know because we all do it personally i usually whistle or we'll say you know yep or something like that to let you know let them know hey guys right here and um so it was kind of later in the day and heidi had uh, came back from her little forage spot and we were just kind of chatting it up talking about what we had found and she had found like a elk shed so we were just kind of chatting it up and uh over to my uh to our to my right because we are facing each other we hear kind of this and so i immediately think it's my friend who was her husband and you know i'm like oh well ray found some and uh and right as soon as i said that about 15 yards directly behind me in a completely different direction i hear ray pipe up and say uh that wasn't me you guys so i was it's oh so i responded with oh but you heard it and he's like yes like okay we all heard that that was really weird um i tend to think if it was an owl you might have heard it a couple other times you know or you know if another animal call you'd hear that but it kind of really wasn't didn't it sounded like an owl but not really and only did the two hoots and we were but again, was pretty close to us, and we were just kind of like, "Well, that was certainly weird." <laughs> and we, I feel like we all, you know, can't say for sure, but it was pretty odd. Um, and then, so another place closer to that spot, I found a possible track, um, which it, it, they uh, actually the picture looks cool, but by the time they got back to uh, cast it. Um, it just it didn't look the same and it kind of came out indistinguishable um, and I say pa- I'm a believer but I still say possible because I don't know for sure uh, when I look at the picture I can see a heel print and definite toe indentations but that's my interpretation and uh, I'll show you the picture as well to show you um, and yeah that was really weird too because it was in a weird spot uh, it was again in our mushroom area and I was um we call them mushroom poachers and anyone that does foraging don't follow people who are already in that area yes, <laughs> foraging that's right. <laughs> uh so this is what happened on this case and granted you know it was during the beginning of pandemic so everybody was out there um however i noticed these people were kind of 
following me. So, and everywhere I stopped and looked, I'd kind of look behind me and they'd stop and look. So I was getting aggravated. So I decided I'm going to haul ass up this hill and kind of shake them. So I did my little zigzag and did that. And uh, at the place I kind of stopped, I just stopped and was just kind of taking a minute. And I looked straight down and in between two trees is this footprint that just shouldn't look like it should be there. And I was like, oh, that's really weird. And I can see the little toe bumps and just like, huh. Doesn't that? Because at first I was like, man, I was like, damn it, someone's been in our spot. Someone's been here. And I kind of look at it again, see the toes. And I'm like, hmm, well, they were barefoot. And, you know, I'm about right in between 6'2 and 6'3. And I kind of like put my foot next to it, which is a size 12. And just kind of like, it's like, hmm. And I'll send you that picture as well. So you can see my footprint uh, or my shoe next to the thing. And it was just like, well, whoever this was, was running around barefoot and bigger than me. Cause I couldn't make a dent in the dirt. I was trying, you know, just to see how fresh it was. And it's like, man, wow. Well, this was really fresh, you know? And yeah, that was just really weird. And just saw the one and I kind of saw partials, but kind of more hopeful than anything, but it was very weird. You know, it was just kind of like, huh. And it was in a spot where, even your biggest hippie person would not be barefoot walking around in that area. You know, it's just too much. It, it's, it's too rough, sharp rocks. You've got, you know, it's a former logging area. So you've got stubs everywhere. It, it was just too sketchy. So it's kind of why it led me to think like, Oh, I think this is a big one walking around. So. Dang man. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. Uh, so when uh, so when you when you and your friends are uh, up uh, foraging and you hear this this whistle back, uh, do you do you remember? Was it like do you remember? Uh, it was you said it was about uh, midday, right? Yeah, yeah, about mid afternoon. Yeah, because yeah. we we, put, we pressed on a few more hours before heading back. So yeah, it was okay. about mid afternoon. And uh, I can totally edit this out if you if I need to, but you said it was up near Mount Hood National Forest area, right? Yeah, it was definitely in. Yeah, it's it was in Mount Hood National Forest. Okay, okay. And you can say that safely. It's so broad out there. No, <laughs> that's like, that's why exactly. Yes, good it's luck. Huge. Good luck trying to find any spot, even if someone tells you where something is. Good luck. <laughs> um, if it's anywhere near the area where you had yours, don't. I mean, if you're if you're not comfortable, don't say it. But as all my yeah. listeners know, I had my all my stuff happen up in like the Estacada Ripplebrook Ranger Station area. Oh wow! And, and uh, um, I don't know exactly where your location is, but uh, it could be close. Um, but the reason I brought that up is the whistles, the whistle back. Um, though I've never heard a whistle back, I've actually heard like you were talking about the owls, and mm-hmm. I've heard just like uh, I at one corner of the lake straight ahead of me, and then to the left of me, just like boom, 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 and it was boop, boop. Just like, just like that. And it was middle of the day, dude. And it was only one set. Uh, and that, that was yeah. when I first got there. Yeah. So some uh, relevance wow. there. Yeah. Yeah. Some relevance it was, there. It was, close. It was probably, uh, it was definitely on the east side of the mountain. And okay. it's not even me holding back. This is like, no, yeah. I'm still fresh. I, I don't really know that area. Like, gotcha. I know once we get there, yeah. but I couldn't and I, I go i've been going with my friends for the last few years to the same spot but okay i couldn't get out there <laughs> okay so yeah I, I just know it's on the east side of the mountain and then yeah we lose service you we lose service probably about 20 or 30 minutes before we get to the spot okay so it's, I think I, it's pretty it's pretty deep <laughs> i think i have an idea of where you're talking about but it doesn't matter anyways yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. we can talk about that stuff later um so sure. uh so is there any other little details you can uh pinpoint and try to remember um before we move on uh, out of the out of the uh foraging experience um no that was just it really okay um that was the only experience out here and uh it was just kind of cool that my first experience was seeing it and then i experienced the other things you know <laughs> like the other weird stuff um but yeah, just that was just very odd, man. We didn't see anything past that or hear anything or um, that. It was just weird. 
Yeah, very weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, do you have any? Uh, did you have any other experiences you wanted to share? Uh, no. I think that's it for the Sasquatch. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to to finish finish off with tonight, Casey? Um, no. I think that's it. Um, you know, if you're a believer and go, just you know, kind of don't press it and just be out there. Just be out, be out doing normal stuff in the woods, and you know, if it'll happen, it'll happen. So it's about all I can really say. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, brother. That's all I got for you today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this podcast. I have huge content and big guests coming down the pike, so please be sure to stay tuned in. And before I let you go, remember, love yourself, love others, be kind, be safe, and until next time. Welcome back, y'all. Uh, we're going to be doing something different. People always talk about Sasquatch and Wild Man and different things like that. Well, in my personal experience, I've only had two things happen to me. And one of them, uh, both of them happened at the same place around the same time as right now. And, dang. And uh, it's something that we talk, that we call Coochie Booger. And uh, so it's an old road goes back through Back Creek Knobs and there's a well back here and there's some folklore about uh, a young girl dying in the well and uh, they the well got covered and then this Sasquatch wild man type thing 
moved it many, many years ago. Well, the old well house is still here, and rumor does have it the little girl shows up in the road. Now, I haven't had that happen to expect, you know, I've not had that happen to me, but what I have had happen to me was a long time ago, 1988, 1989, me and a bunch of my friends were sitting at the Sonic in Loudoun, and we were bored, and the only thing you could do back then was cruise. So we decided that we'd go make a trip through Coogee and uh, go to Back Creek Knobs. So we come back here, and it had been raining, and the lead car was a Monte Carlo, you know, a two-wheel drive car. And then uh, there was a Mustang behind it, which is two-wheel drive, and then I had an S10, and my buddy had a little Ranger. So we come back here and brought a bunch of girls and stuff with us, and we come back here and snaked through and stopped at the well and kind of scared the girls. And we went around the backside, and they were logging part of the backside. And uh, the, the Monte Carlo, of course, kind of got stuck. It was a gravel, muddy-type road. And uh, anyway, they got stuck. Well, in the process of them trying to get the car out, I was the third vehicle in line. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking up the hill where they'd logged it, and there's a bunch of flat stumps and stuff. And there was a full moon back behind it, and as I'm sitting there, and there was a girl and a guy with me, and there was some, like I said, my friends behind me. And as I'm staring up that hill, and everybody else probably was behind me too, I noticed one object that was round. And as I'm staring up through there, it wasn't no more than 60 yards off the road. It stood up. Now we're looking uphill. When it stood up, it had, it reminded me, just the outside image looked like matted hair of a dog or something that hadn't been, you know, hadn't been groomed or dreadlocks or something to that effect. But that's what the outline looked like. And as tall as it was when it stood up, it had to be eight, nine feet tall. Well, before I could say anything, I hear people screaming in the truck behind me. They run into me. Everybody freaks out. Everybody starts pointing and looking at the hill, and this thing doesn't move to start with. Well, finally, you hear the car in front starts to move and gets over to grab one. As we start, it turns to walk away. The silhouette of this thing, I didn't see a face, but the it gives me cold chills. The silhouette of this thing just looked human-like, but very, very hairy. Well, Neil's to say, we got out of there and we talked about it, and this was probably junior in high school, and uh, everybody was coming here trying to see it. Well, we come back during the daylight and didn't really see, you know, didn't see anything, went up there and looked and couldn't find footprints or nothing, but it kind of went on. As years went on, and I got up at my mid-20s, you know, there's a lot of things we done back then, drinking and stuff, and we would get together and we'd bring girls and different people out here. We'd meet after one of our bars we'd go to, Cotton Eye Joe or whatever, and we would come out here and we would bring them through and tell them the folklore story and show them the well and tell them about the little girl and all this other stuff. Well, one night, me and my buddy Joey, we didn't go. We didn't go to the Joe with everybody else. And my buddy Gator, and he had went to the Joe and they got kicked out early. When he come back, he said, let's go to Coochie Booger, Back Creek Knobs. I was like, man, I don't feel like going. Well, when I went to get went to the kitchen to get something to drink, he came there and said, hey, I got these couple girls that we're going to take with us and said, won't you guys go and hide and scare them? I looked at Joey and Joey looked at me and was like, shoot you out. So we grabbed our beer and threw it in the truck. We took off and uh, we got down here. We went all the way around the back side. And I wasn't really that freaked out at the time. And we get out and we've got our drinks with us. And we walked probably a mile back in here on this old road from the back side. Well, we're walking and talking and we're not even really thinking about anything else going on or about anything that's happened in the past. Sure, it crossed my mind at times, but we make conversation just to, you know, to get by. Well, as we're walking back through these winding roads, as you can tell, you can see me turn the stuff as I'm going down through here. We come from the back end and we found this bank. And, uh, or there's a big bank, there's a creek that washes back and forth across the road, it goes to both sides. And we seen headlights coming, so we ducked down and got down into the, uh, the ditch. And as they're approaching, we're laughing and cutting up. 
they get right even with us. Now, they're in a Trans Am on this old muddy road. There's girls in the back, a couple guys, but had 10 windows. Well, me and my buddy Joey just jump out, run, and smack the corner panel. You can hear the girls screaming. The, the Firebird tire, Transburg, or, uh, Trans Am tires out of there trying to get away from us. It scared them to death. So it's just me and Joey. Um, you know, we start walking back. They had no idea it was us. They didn't stop. They went on. And uh, as we're walking back, it's, the trees grow up over the road. I think we're fixing them up on the well. The trees grow up over the road, and they kind of canopy above it. And um, me and Joey is walking down this road, and uh, we I heard something, you know, in the woods, which I'm used to stuff like that from deer hunting, but I heard something in the woods, and I stopped, and... Uh, we're here we're at the well I'm gonna pass it up I'll do that in another video the folklore story but um, we're walking along talking and I look up and the full moon's coming through the canopy and I looked at Joey and I said hey do you ever remember that movie American Werewolf in London and he goes shut up Jamie you know what don't even talk about that and I kind of giggled it off but the more we walked we had boots on you know the more we walked the more the road just seemed to glow from the, you know, the full moon. And about that time, I heard something. Sound like it jumped off of something on the ground. It was a thud. It was up to our left on this ridge. And I just kept walking. Well, as I was walking, it started walking with us. And I looked at Joey, and it's dark. He looks at me. I said, did you hear that? He said, yeah, he's just probably a deer. So as we're walking, we can notice that its footsteps are keeping up with us. It's walking parallel to the left with us. So we stop. Well, when we stop, it stops dead on what we stopped. I mean, right where we stopped, there was no more noise. No more leaves rustling. We stood there a good minute. I said, hey, maybe it's a deer or a coon or something. Let's just go ahead and I'm gonna walk on. So now we're really paying attention to this sound. So we walk probably another five, six steps and it picks back up. <clears throat> and this is fall of the year, kind of cool of the year. <clears throat> and it's cool this night and it's walking with us. You can hear it to the left. Well, I just bow up and stop. Joey bows up and stops. It takes two more steps than we do. And like I said, you can see the higher stand up on my arms. I said, what in the world? Joy said, I don't know, but it's, you know, it had stopped again. So we started walking again. And as we started walking, it started walking. And instead of walking parallel with us, it started taking steps down the hill and you could kind of hear it sliding the leaves. Well, without saying anything to either, either one of us, one of us said anything to one another, we take off in a dead run. This thing, you can, all we're hearing is the gravel under our boots as we're running. This thing is running at us at an angle. And you could tell that it went from two feet to four feet. And the roadbed, spend, spend, turn the camera around and show the road. This is how wide the road is. So we were walking along like this with less sleeves on. Okay. And so we're running out this curvy road. All of a sudden, that thing, leaps, hits this road and makes a thud, goes over the right side, hits the right creek and splashes through the creek and goes up on the ridge on the opposite side. Well, just as we're running, just as we think it's went away from us, we hear it start running diagonal in front of us or down at an angle. And we're fixed to break the bend of the truck. We hear it splice the creek again tires up the bank it cannot be no more no more than 10 foot behind us and at that point I thought I was gone and instead it ran straight or it went on across the road behind us hit the ridge and ran towards the truck where the truck would have been parked as we run out through there and we turned the corner I remember Joey screaming unlock the truck unlock the truck and we're trying to get the truck unlocked, then we hear the growl. 
that thing had to be sitting watching. It knew where our truck was. Well, we peeled out of there and we left. Now, it really freaked us out. And after telling the story to some people, we found a lady that lives at the end of this road that when she was, oh, I can't remember how long ago, she's an elder lady. She said one night, said she had a well house on her property. And like I said, this ain't something I experienced. This is just what she told me she's seen. And she had woke up in the middle of the night and she went to the kitchen sink to get her something to drink. And it was a full moon, just like it was the two nights that this happened in a row for us. And about the same time of year. And as she goes to the back, to the kitchen sink, which it wasn't blinds and it was just curtains, she's got a big field out through there and she's seen this enormous, she said it was just ginormous, it was huge thing walking across the field. It was actually coming at an angle towards her house. And she thought, what in the world could that be? And she said it had to be at least eight, nine foot tall. She said it was just huge. She said there was a few round bells in, or uh, square bells in the field. And she said it just, they were so small compared to it. Well, she, she didn't yell for her husband at the time. She just got her a glass. And when she turned the sink on, their well had been making a vibrating noise and it vibrated, this thing stopped dead in its tracks and started drop, it stopped and stood there. She yelled for her husband. He come running and as he made the noise come from the house, she said this thing dropped down on all fours, took off running, looked with its hind, hind end bucked up and took off running like a dog and jumped and cleared the fence on the neighbors the other the the neighbor's property into the woods she also said that they had had a lot they had seen like on muddy years they'd seen a lot of large footprints so this is something that really happened to me i seen what i to told you i seen twice i seen it twice now this right here is where we were actually parked which it's it's woods now but there was built right here it ran all the way then and the farmhouse i'm talking about is right there there ain't even 60 yards from where this happened with her in the it, it would have been in the late 80s 90s and this here was probably when i was 25 so it was up in the in the late 90s but um people ask me if i believe in sasquatch do i believe in the wild man of tennessee stories that we've heard I would say nobody's ever surfaced to say that was a prank pulled on us either time. And somebody would have come clean with it by now. Yes, I believe there's stuff here that that we can't explain. But I know this didn't have nothing to do with a hunting story. This was more just a personal story of a Sasquatch or wild man or whatever you want to call it. But uh, it really happened to me. There's no lie about it, nothing being made up. So we figured we'd come out here tonight and drive through and tell the story. So I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, if you do, please subscribe and like. And as always, see you next time. God bless.